you're listening to the Desperation Podcast. Listen this week for a special message from David Martin at Night of Desperation. Now, typically, this is the part of the service where I do all the work, but I'm going to have you work right now. I want you to put your hand on the person next to you. And I know you may not know that person, and this is not the time to get their Instagram account. You're about to do some ministry. You ready? Tonight is a night of freedom, DSM. And each and every person that came in this room, whether it be an adult or a student, there's a prison that you've been in, and I'm here to tell you tonight, in Jesus' name, you're going to be liberated tonight. And so here's what I need you to do. I want you, for the sake of the person you're touching right now, you are doing ministry. And you're coming into agreement with what God has already determined for this night for every person in here. And so I want you to declare a prayer out with me to God right now. In Jesus' name, one, two, three, say, Dear Father, I declare freedom over my life and over this person I'm touching. Break the chains in Jesus' name. We believe in the power of the name of Jesus to break every chain and to set captives free. I declare this over my neighbor in Jesus' name. And if you really believe that, everybody say amen. Let's pray. Father, all praise to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Father, you have blessed us in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus. Even before you made the world, God, you loved us and you chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in your eyes. And you decided in advance to adopt us as your sons and as your daughters into your own family, Father. Thank you. Bringing us to you through Jesus Christ. This is what you wanted to do, Lord, and it gave you great pleasure. So in the name of Jesus, we praise God for the glorious grace you've poured out on all of those who belong to your dear son. And you are so rich in kindness and grace that Jesus, you purchased our freedom with your blood. The blood of the son who forgave our sins. And Lord, once again, as I pray Ephesians 1 through 8, God, I am praying that you will continue to shower your kindness on all of us with all wisdom and understanding for the sake of your will and the freshness of this word that you have tonight for these students. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to a night of desperation, man. Like, I'm excited anyway. We did a desperation tour in December, and we got to travel around Oklahoma and Texas, and it's been a while. But honestly, I'm double excited because I really feel that the word that God has given me tonight is the absolute word that he wants me to share tonight. There's a great confidence in that. But in addition to that, I haven't preached in like three weeks with you guys, and I've been missing it. So I am filled up tonight, and I'm ready to see God do it again. Y'all ready? Y'all good? Now... We had worship nights, DSM by worship. We also had DSM by DSM. Remember that? We also had DSM by DLA last week. Amazing job. And tonight is Night of Desperation or DSM by Despo, okay? Now, before I get into everything, I just also want to welcome and honor Pastor Tim Shepard and all of the junior hires in the room tonight. Yeah, it's good to have you, you hyper- Monster drink, drinking, Jesus-loving junior hires in the house, man. 
We love junior hires, so thank you, Pastor Tim. Also want to recognize my friend and his wife, and he brought some friends. Is this okay? Justin Stewart and his beautiful wife, Brittany, and they brought some friends too. Can you just wave, wave your hand? Can you just wave your hand? There you go. Everybody say hi to Justin and Brittany and uh, Blake. Blake, and I didn't meet you, but I bet you you're just the bee's knees, man. I guarantee it. All right. Can I just tell you how much I love you guys? No, 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 like for real. And I, I want you to know something. This is for real. Every morning before I get out of bed, I pray, and I pray for you guys every single morning before my feet hit the floor. Because I love you, and I love this ministry, and I love what he's doing in your lives. I love how he's revealing himself to you. I love how much that he is beginning to teach you about his real nature. You know the devil, you know what he tries to do? He tries to project onto God characteristics about himself. Have you noticed that? Like so many students walk in these doors for the first time, and they think that God is distant, he's judgmental, he's angry, he accuses us, he's mad at us, he wants to squash us like a bug. But don't you understand that that's the characteristics of the devil? The devil has convinced this generation that that's how God is, or he's not even worth considering. So we say he doesn't even exist, because that version of God is a nightmare. And if that's what makes someone an atheist, then I'm one too. Because that is not the God I believe in. That is not the God that has chosen me and given his son to shed his blood so that I could find life and be released from a prison of sin, shame, regret, hell, and death. You see, that's the God I'm going to be talking about tonight, DSM. Y'all ready? Yeah, okay, here we go. But one of the things that I pray is that, God, that you would protect my DSM students. Would you surround them as a shield with your favor and protection, God? Would you keep their feet from falling into the traps of the enemy? That you would give them wisdom and discernment to know how to walk in a, in a way that reflects your glory so that the world may know that you're real and that you love that person. Keep them from getting trapped and stuck. How many of y'all have ever been stuck or trapped before? Let me see a show of hands. Right? Like physically, spiritually, mentally, right? Sometimes we get stuck in our thoughts. Sometimes we get stuck physically. Like my older brother, he used to hold me down. And I don't encourage you to do this, by the way. But he would hold me down and he would put his knees on my, sh on my arm so I couldn't move my knees. And then he would take his middle finger with a knuckle like that and just do it over and over again in my chest. Yeah. Does that answer some questions why your youth pastor is so weird and messed up? Stuck. So as I did some preparation for this sermon, i got to share the story with you. There's this little dude. Talk about a knucklehead, man. This kid, he goes to a restaurant with his mom and dad. And don't put the picture up yet. He goes to a restaurant with his mom and dad. And he's, I don't know where, he, I don't know what's wrong with his parents. They should be keeping an eye on him. But you ever see, like, you know, you go to, like, CeCe's Pizza or Chuck E. Cheese. And they got those big glass boxes with all those gnarly little nasty uh, stuffed animals inside with the claw. Right? Where you could literally just go to Walmart and spend three bucks and buy the one that you want. But no, you got to spend $417 and quarters to get that one off-market, off-brand, jacked-up version of a Pikachu doll. You know what I'm trying to say? Well, this kid, somehow, he was allured by, by the stuffed animal. He's like, I must have them all. I, I really don't know how this kid did it. Because that opening is not that big. But this is where he found himself shortly after walking up to that machine. Go on and put that picture up there. That kid, what is he, like 17, 20 years old? Look how big he is. 
He's got to be at least four or five years old. And that thing is only big enough to, I don't know how he did it. Mom, dad, you've raised, uh, uh, never mind, you raised a, a nice kid. Um, just not that smart. <laughs> um, or he's going to be really good at breaking into houses when he's growing up. I don't know what his future is. If you're new here, you're going to find that I'm really random and I really don't have an inner monologue or a filter. So God only knows what I'm going to say tonight. Let's just get after it. So I, I was looking at this picture and of course I was laughing and judging very harsh, harshly. But then I thought, you know what, isn't this what I deal with so often with students? Not that you have found your way into one of those claw machines. Of course you have. There's always one in the bunch. I have, Dave. Okay, good. Here's the thing. This is what a lot of our lives look like, though. You see, the world puts something out there that we go, oh, I got to have that. Not a problem. And we try to pursue it at all costs. And we'll, we'll try to go the wrong way in order to get it. But then once we've got it, we found ourselves in this prison. We're trapped, we're locked, and we can't get out. Some of you have been allured by certain things this past school year. Over the summer, you, you would never dream that you are doing and being a part of the things that you are tonight. Isn't it amazing what nine months can do when you're not aware of what's happening and the traps that are set in your path? But I've got good news for you tonight. I'm not here to beat you up and I'm not here to judge you. I'm just going to tell you how to get set free tonight from the traps that your feet are in. Cool? Can I do that? So... I think it's one thing, like for me, I've put myself in prison before. And, and what I mean by that is I've made stupid choices that put me where I'm addicted or I now suffer with depression or anxiety. And y'all, some of y'all know my story, but I struggled with depression and suicide and all sorts of stuff growing up. And so, man, I've walked in your shoes. And, and if that's you here tonight, I'm so glad that you're here. And please let me or one of us just love you and let you know it's okay to not be okay in this youth group, okay? Um, so just know that. So... But with that said, it's one thing when you put yourself in a situation where you're stuck. You're like, well, that's my fault. But there's students in here, and this, this past school year, you guys have had an awakening in your heart. And something took place over this last year where you became so passionate about God and his word and, and sharing Jesus with people and beginning to make really tough choices, right? And you've, you've been following Jesus, but yet you have found yourself also in a prison. Because all of a sudden, people are throwing shade on you. You see, you're saying no to getting high on Friday night now. And your friends are hating on you for that. They're judging you. Who do you think you are? You're losing touch with who you really are. you got to stop going to DSM because they're putting crazy stuff in your head. Maybe... Maybe you have friends who are like, man, why aren't you going farther or further with your girlfriend or your boyfriend sexually? Why aren't you doing those things? What's wrong with you? And you go, no, I'm consecrating myself. I'm setting myself apart so I can experience the greater things of God in my life. I want to live a pure life so I don't get ripped off. And people are judging you. And now people are making fun of you. And maybe they're even saying things about you online. And it's hurtful. And you have found yourself stuck in this prison that you didn't think you were going to find yourself in. People just don't dig you right now. 
Maybe you've chosen to stay sober while they've chosen to get drunk. Maybe that you took Dave's rules for keeping it real with your boo or your shorty. Remember those? But your friends are thinking that's the stupidest thing ever. Like five of you still think that is. It will protect you. And so now as you're walking the halls of your school, people who once said you're my best friend won't even look your way. You're in a prison. You see, Jesus says don't be surprised though when this happens. He says, if the world hates you, they hated me first. Welcome to the club of being hated. But I would be rather hated and hang out with Jesus because God is love than having the opinion of a 10th grader. Right? Who cares? So let them throw as much shade as they want on you. And I say that. You want to know why? Because DSM, there is a light. There is a light that has been placed within you. And I want you to hear this really good. There's a light within you. Remember that song when we were little? Give me a light of mine. Right? It's, right? it's like such a, it's a kind of a depressing song. It's like, it's kind of hopeful, but it's more depressing. I really don't think that that's what the scripture would want you to sing. I think scripture would say, no, there's a bonfire blazing in my heart. I think that is a little bit more what Jesus has in mind for you. Right? Y'all want to get weird? Y'all want to sing that? There's a bonfire blazing in my Where? <laughs> okay, this is so clearly not rehearsed. <laughs> this is an improvisational point here. But there's a bonfire there's a bonfire. Is there any little lights in here? Little lights are lame. Bonfires, people will watch that. Bonfires are warm. Bonfires are attractional. Bonfires put out heat, right? You look like a bonfire. And all of a sudden, a little light goes, mm, it's so cute. No, bonfires are dangerous. Sometimes they even get out of control. But let me tell you something. The bonfire of Jesus, students, lives within you. He's a mighty God. He's not this little hippie Jesus tie-dye wearing peace. Okay, but you also have to know that he carries a sword. And you also have to know that our God is a warrior. And you just can't be sweet your way through overcoming power of sin, hell, and death. It takes a warrior to overcome those things in our lives. Jesus is a warrior, and he's a bonfire. And if you want to know what his eyes look like, look in Revelation. You know what his eyes look like in Revelation, the last book of the Bible? They're flaming fires. He's so full of fire, his eyes are on fire. That's the Jesus that we worship and sing to, man. So let people throw shade on you. You know why? Because there is a light within you, and it's the light of Jesus. You know why I could say that? Because John 1.5 says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. There's this dude named Peter. I haven't even started preaching my sermon yet, y'all. Y'all are wearing me out. Holy Spirit's good, right? But here's the thing, man. There's this guy, and he's not in prison for doing bad things. He's in, a pr in the prison like some of y'all have been, for doing the right things. Well, there's this king, and this is where we started in Acts 12. <coughs> Forgive me. During this period, King Herod, he incited persecution against the church. 
and he was causing great harm to believers. So people just like you and I who would walk into a building like this, they were used to being able to do that with very little issue. But now, can you imagine walking in this room and someone coming in going, okay, who are we going to behead first? This is what Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ, were up against, okay? And so they've already beheaded James, who was one of the three, okay, right? So there's Peter, James, and John. Well, James is gone. And King Herod realizes that everybody really likes this idea of cutting Christians' heads off. Aren't you glad that never happens in our time, right? Aren't you glad that ISIS doesn't do that to Christians? What's ISIS? Turn on CNN. Okay, here we go. I can't, I, can't, I can't put up a chalkboard and explain what's happening in the Middle East, but it's hell on earth. I'll put it to you that way. So they go, let's get another voice. Let's get another icon that is representative in the early church. So they find Peter and they arrest Peter. Peter, Peter, like crazy cutting the ears off of people kind of Peter. But something's happened. He's become full of this fire that I'm talking about. So he's thrown in prison, and it says, then, Peter's just loving people and loving Jesus. That's all he's doing. But then he, they imprisoned him. They placed him under the guard of four squads. Everybody say four squads. Of four soldiers each. So you got to get this. You get the, get the number here? There's, there's no squad goals here whatsoever. These are 16 guards hired to only watch Peter to make sure that he does not get out of the prison. From the world's viewpoint, students, he is now, it's hopeless. He's going to die in the morning. He knows this. Everybody knows this. But see, the world sees things differently than how we should be seeing them. I think sometimes, guys, that we see hopeless situations and we agree with people who have no hope. And we go, yeah, that's a hopeless situation. But the church, they hear about this hopeless situation about Peter, knowing that one of their main guys is about to get his head cut off in the morning, and they love Peter. And it's unfair. He hasn't done anything wrong. But instead of agreeing with the world and seeing it the way the world sees it, well, so much for Peter. It's been real, bro. You know what the church does? They begin to intercede. They get on their knees. And I think the problem is for us so often, when we enter into the hopeless situations in our lives, we see prayer as a last resort. But students, I want to tell you, that should be the first resort. Because there's power in prayer. There's power in intercession. The church knew it, so they got on their knees in their house and they went, Lord, you're going to have to do it again. We've seen you move the mountains, but tonight, God, this is a mountain that we don't know how you're going to overcome. But we believe in the name of Jesus to break every chain that is on Peter tonight. Why do I say that? Because in Acts 12, verse 4 and 5, it says, But while Peter was in prison in a dark, hopeless situation with no hope, the church interceded very earnestly for him. If you're new to the whole desperation scene, students, I want you to know that intercession is one of the mainstays of our ministry because we believe it truly is a disruptive force. When we come into agreement with what God has already said about this generation and about you and about your lives, we just come into agreement and we intercede on the behalf of one another. That's when you put your hand on that person, regardless of how much faith you felt in that moment, you were interceding for them. It's not hard. You don't have to be fancy and know the entire Bible to intercede. The best thing to do and the only thing you have to do to get started is get on your knees and start praying for someone besides yourself. That's intercession. Pray for your school. Pray for your city. Pray for your mom. Pray for your dad. 
Pray for your youth pastor. Goodness knows I need it. I need prayer. Y'all know I need prayer. But here's what's crazy about intercession real quick. You would think that Jesus, when he walked the earth, he got a... He had a lot of work to do, and he taught a lot, and he healed a lot, and he overcame, right, and died on the cross, rose again on the third day. Now he's up in heaven, and I think sometimes we think that Jesus is kind of now taking the rest of eternity off because he's done his part. But guess what Jesus is doing right now for every single person that is sitting under the sound of my voice? You want to know what he's doing? Check it out. Romans tells us. You see, it, it starts with a question. So if you got haters throwing shade in your life, and you're stuck in a prison that you didn't ask to be put there just because you were following Jesus, the question is, who then will condemn us? In other words, who's got the right to judge us? Who's got the right to chain us down and send us to death? The answer, children, is no one has the right to condemn you. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are no longer condemned. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, interceding for us. There's a lot of for us because Christ is for you. And if Christ is for you, then who could be against you, DSM? There's a lot of for us here, right? But Peter's in this impossible situation. But these people, these children of God, these scared people, because they may be next. They're in this house on the other side of the city going, God, I see you move, smooth the mountains. But I believe I'll see you do it again, right? And they're praying. So you read a little bit of story time with Dave. You want to see how this thing turns out? Check this. this is crazy. I love this story. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, which is a bogus trial. They were just going to cut his head off. But they had to go through the process legally. It says in the story that he was vomiting because he was so stressed out about this. It said that he was literally vomiting and he had diarrhea. And he was so scared. And he was crying like a little girl. And it, No, is that how the story goes? No, actually it says the night before he was about to be placed on trial and die... Homie was sleeping. How in the world, if you know you're going to get your head chopped off by a sword in less than 24 hours, you go, mm, tonight's a good night for a good night's sleep. How? Not only that. But I don't, how many of y'all have like your, your set sleeping position? You know what I'm talking about? Where you get in the bed, you do the pillow just right, you put the blanket just right. And see, I'm a, I sleep on my right side. And so, ooh, I'll pull that blanket right up here to my jawline. And I'm just like a little baby swaddled in a bed, Manitou. And oh, it is party time. That is my thing. But Peter can't even sleep. He, how, did, how is he sleeping? Because it says here that he actually had a chain, two chains. Okay, two chains between two soldiers. The pagans in the room got that joke. Others stood guard at the prison gate. So get this. So Peter is asleep, and he's got one arm chained to one guard. He's got one arm chained to another guard, and he's out like a little light. Notice anything weird in the verse? What do you do with the fact that this guy's sleeping? Is he just that lazy? Like he's like... No worries, no stress. Head off tomorrow, but I got it now, and I'm going to snore with it. <laughs> I believe on some level Peter's taking to heart what Jesus is inviting you to do tonight. 
Because some of you, yeah, sleep. You don't want to know why? Because I know some of you guys, and you're so weary in your heart. You're just, man, you're just, you're so weary. You have no energy. You have no strength. You don't even know what a good night's sleep feels like, little less for your heart. Jesus invites us to do something that I think Peter is taking Jesus upon. You see, when hard stuff hits our lives, DSM, Jesus invites anyone who feels stuck, tired, and hopeless in here tonight. And Jesus is asking you, not your friend next to you, not to the more holy, righteous one in, in this room. No, he's, he's inviting you. And this is Jesus' invitation for those in here tonight who are weary. Jesus says, are you weary? Are you carrying a heavy burden? Jesus is saying this. This is his words, not mine. He says, then come to me. I'll refresh your life. I will be your oasis. He says, simply. Everybody say simply. We make following Jesus way too hard, y'all. Jesus is like, no, this is simple. If you're tired, you're worn out, just simply join your life with mine. He says, learn my ways and you'll discover something. I am a gentle God. I'm gentle. I'm humble. And I'm easy. Easy. Everybody say easy. Jesus says, listen, I'm easy to please. Quit, quit thinking that I'm always mad at you, man. Okay, so you did that thing. You said that thing. You did whatever. Okay. But have you forgotten what I did on the cross? You see, I paid for all those things. He says, I'm easy to love. I'm easy to follow. So any other version of easy when it comes to following Jesus is a distortion of who he really is and his nature. If he was hard and he was always angry and he's like, no, you better get out there and you better be a super Christian. Otherwise, I'm going to be really ticked and I just may take away my salvation from you. Go easy, right? Is that the G No. If, if that was the Jesus, that, if that's the way he really operated, like some of y'all think, he wouldn't be saying, hey, if you're tapped out, tired, don't have anything to give anybody, including me. He wouldn't be making that invitation. You know what the world says, though? Hey, get it together. Figure it out. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Quit being a baby. Quit, look, quit being selfish. Some of you are hearing those things. That's what the world says. Figure it out. Buy a Dr. Phil book. Whatever you got to do. No, Jesus is like, no, man. I'm easy. I'm easy to please. So if he's easy to please, you know what I can tell you with fair certainty? He's pleased with you. He's pleased with you tonight. Take the burden off. He says you'll find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you. So if you want to know what he's requiring of all of us, those in here who feel like we don't even belong in this room because we're so tapped out, we're so beaten down, we're so burdened, he says, here's all I require. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. So he's like, listen, it's going to be fine. I'll give you what you need. Peter is resting in that promise from Jesus. This is how <laughs> someone is able to almost have their head cut off in the next scene. And he goes, oh, I'm sleeping so good in Jesus. You're so good, Jesus. He can give rest in the darkest, scariest areas and nights of your life. 
one arm chained, another one, and he's getting that good sleep in one of the most darkest nights of his life. But you know what, when I thought about that, how many of y'all know that most of the time, most of us get our best sleep when it's pitch black in our room? Right? Are you the type where you shut the shades, you shut the blinds, you don't want like one speck of light coming in? Some of y'all are like, no, David, I still sleep with the light on because of the boogeyman. You know, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Right? That whole thing. Well, I'm here to tell you, there's no boogeyman. Go to sleep. But suddenly, everybody say suddenly. There was a bright light in the cell. Why do we care? Why is that bright light coming into this dark situation, into this dark cell? Did someone turn the light on? Did someone bring a torch in? No. You see, I'm here to tell you that tonight, regardless of how dark your prison is in your life, don't you remember what I just pointed out a second ago to you guys? If you're in prison, don't you understand that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it? The light has shown up. And the light comes into this dark, hopeless situation of a prison cell. Doom, bad news, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And this is, fu- this is funny to me. The next part. And the angel struck him. Talk about a rude awakening. Now Jesus will give you the rest. How he wakes you up, I don't know how that, that's going to look. But I think that, I think Peter was sleeping so good, y'all, that he's like, I mean, the light of God is in this room. Peter's still asleep. He's like, Peter, come on, get up, get up. (laughs) Boom, get up. It's time to get up. The angel of the Lord did this. He struck him on the side to awaken him. And he says, quick, everybody say, get up. One, two, three. Get up, man. You see, Jesus didn't come to give you rest so that you sleep better in prison. He gave you rest so that you would have the energy to get up and get out and get moving out of the prison. The rest That's the rest, that's what it's for, is to replenish us, to remind us, and to send us out. Everybody say, get up. There's a prophetic moment that I want to share with you right now, because last night as I was writing this sermon, yes, I'm a procrastinator, but I believe in this moment, this this is the picture that the Lord gave me right here, this moment. There's some of you, maybe you're invited by a friend, maybe you've been coming here forever, I don't, it doesn't matter, but there's a... One person in this room at least, and your heart is racing a little bit, and you haven't been able to quite, like really kind of figure out what's been, what's happening. Why are you feeling this way tonight in this room? Throughout the worship, throughout the whatever, you're just like, there's something happening, and I can't put words to it. I know you don't, you can't put words to what you're feeling, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus is beginning to bring light into your hopeless situation. For you. To the cynic in the room, it's for you. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is doing this. And he's beginning to call out to you and he's saying to you tonight, get up. You've been in here long enough. I'm about to do something that you've never seen happen before. And it won't require any effort on your part. Jesus is saying tonight is the night that I want to liberate you from the hopeless situations in your life that are holding you back. Some of you are being held back, and it's not your fault. Some of you are being held back for other reasons. But I'm here to tell you, regardless of how you got into prison, DSM, maybe it was by your choices, or maybe it was because of other people's choices. But Jesus is bringing the light of his presence into your prison, and he's saying to you through me, wake up, get up, and get out. Tonight is the night of your liberation. It's true. And at this moment, 
The angel of the Lord says, get up, and then the chains fall off of his wrists. What chains do you need to fall off your wrist tonight? What are those things? Are they chains of fear? Are they chains of depression? Are they chains of addiction? Are they chains of anxiety? Are they chains of uncertainty? What are the chains that are you're bound by and you're like, oh, this is a hopeless situation? What are those chains, man? You see, here's what I see, though. I see too many students. Here's what happens. We find that we're in, we're in prison, whether by our own doing or someone else's, right? And we see ourselves chained, and we go, I can't move. I got to get out of here. And I see too many Christian students doing this, and I certainly see many students out in the world doing this who find themselves chained, but they think that the only way for them to get out of that prison is to break out. So they go, okay, man, i got to figure out a way to get out of this prison of depression, fear, addiction, anxiety, whatever those things are. Okay, i got to blast a hole through this wall, and then I'll escape. I'll make my escape out of the prison, and then I won't be in here anymore. But guys, that's not freedom. That only has made you a fugitive. Right? Think about it. Do you know how a fugitive lives? A fugitive, first two front rows over here, these are people that if they break out of prison, they look free, but they have to change their identity because they're going to get busted. So they don't look like themselves anymore. They can't. They are always making decisions with their, looking over their shoulder because they don't want to get drugged back into prison. That's not real freedom. And I see too many students like you guys where you go, okay, I'm addicted to this, or I can't stop doing this, or I feel this way, so i got to figure out how to break out of this prison. But if you're out of the prison, are you really free? Because you're always worried about getting sucked back in. See what I'm saying? You see, Jesus didn't come and say, okay, now that you like me, here is an axe and a stick of dynamite. Figure out how to get out of your prison. You're welcome. No, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't call us to become fugitives on the run. He called us to freedom. Freedom. The debt is paid. We don't owe anybody anything anymore. We don't owe society anything. We don't owe anybody any debt because Jesus paid it all. And all to him we owe. He paid our justice. Why? So that we could live different lives. So that when we enter into hopeless situations, DSM, we're no longer hopeless because we have a God of hope. Because we're free already. We're no longer bound by circumstances. We're set free by Jesus Christ. You're not a fugitive. Shouldn't be a fugitive. And you go, well, David, that's so inspirational. Thank you so much. It's a good word. But you know what I'm basing that on? Let me share with you. You see, Jesus went into the temple one day, and he opened up this big scroll from Isaiah, and this is what Jesus said, because it was prophesied about Jesus. 400 years before he actually read this, listen to what Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Think about that. And the time of the Lord's favor has come. And DSM, the time of the Lord's favor for your life has come to you tonight. I don't know what, how you got in this room, but you're here now. 
And Jesus wants to set you free, man. And then, I love this. This is such a killer move that Jesus does. When he's done with this, it says he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and then he sat down. I ain't got nothing more to say. That's what I'm here to do, and that's what I'm going to do. But why did he sit down? Why is that in Scripture? Why do we care? And as I began to think about it, I was thinking, man, with all this setting the captives free talk that he's doing, the truth that he's saying I'm here to do, he sits down after that. Why? He sat down so we could get up. He sat down so we could get out. So that we could be set free, DSM. Notice something. When he was done declaring the truth, he sat down. But you know what another time he sat down? When he actually accomplished what he said he was going to do, and he actually defeated hell, the power of sin, and the power of death, it says that he went up to be with the Father up in heaven because his job was done. And guess what he did? He sat down. Job done. Nothing more to say. Now it's up to you if you want that or not. Jesus has done it all. So this is Peter's moment, okay? So the angel tells him, get dressed, put on your sandals. Now put on your coat, follow me. So it sounds like Peter's sleeping in the nude. Is that, is that, am I the only one that sees that in scripture? Everybody's real serious. Okay, great. So Peter left the cell and he starts following this angel. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm a sleepwalker. I know what Peter's thinking because he's thinking, he's dreaming. I'm a sleepwalker and a sleep talker. I'm a nightmare to sleep with. And so if an angel woke me up in the middle of the night, and said, David, follow me, I'd be like, well, it's just me sleepwalking and being weird, right? And I'd be following that angel out. Well, that's kind of what Peter's doing. He, (laughs) I don't know where the guards are. I got a cold, bear with me. I don't know where the guards are, but all I know is every place that angel led him, a door that was locked would just open up. Like with no hands. Nobody was opening this stuff. Everybody's like not aware. So he left the cell following the angel, but all that time he thought it was a vision, but he didn't realize it was actually happening. Then he passed through the first. Everybody say first. And the second. You see, God's really releasing Peter from this prison, isn't he? But he's got to go through these doors. And I think some of the time we are trying to follow Jesus through doors that he's not leading us. We want to be famous. We want to, we want to have money. We want to have status. We want that car. We want the, the degree, the, pro, the prestigious university, whatever your things are. And those aren't bad. But some of you are like so dead set on going through that door, you're beating on it until your hands are bleeding. And it's not happening. Could it be that God is saying, would you just let me lead you where I want to lead you? Because you shouldn't have to beat down doors to serve Jesus. Doors are scary to walk through, but when they open up, you walk through them. You don't have to beat down the doors. It's just, I don't know, many times it's just not God's will if you're trying too hard to make something happen. There could be a reason why that door stays locked. In this case, though, the doors are opening. They passed the first, the second guard post. They came to the iron gate leading to the city, and they opened all by themselves. Then Peter wakes up. And so... He wakes up, and so he's still with the, with the angel. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and the angel suddenly left him. So now Peter's by himself, out of prison. He's free, and he's like, what now, right? Wouldn't you? But Peter finally came to his senses. He says, well, man, well, gum, it's really true. I'm out of prison. I don't know why he sounds like he talks from, like he's from Duck Dynasty. I don't know. 
But the Lord sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders planned to do to me. And then when he realized this, he goes, I got to go tell people. So he goes to the home of Mary. Now, this is really funny. The mother of John Mark, many were gathered there for intercession. Don't forget about the people praying. You see, prayer makes impossible situations into possible situations. And so they're praying, but look at their response. So look what happens. He goes to the front door. He's out of prison. The angel, what a story. What a night. He knocked on the door, and the servant girl, her name was Rhoda, he came to open it. But when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so excited. Instead of opening the door, she ran back inside to tell everyone, guys, Peter's at the door. If I'm Peter, I'm like, would you mind opening it? The Lord has opened every other one. Rhoda, this is not hard. Turn the knob. Right? She's so freaked out and excited. But listen to their response. This is hilarious to me. Because this is so us. You know what their response is? Rhoda, doggone it, you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided. They didn't go check the door. They all just sat at the dinner table and went, it just must be an angel. It must be Peter's angel coming to visit us. I don't even know how that works. Like, why would you conclude that, right? Isn't that just like us Christians? We say, God, let it rain. Let the floodgates of heaven open upon this ministry. God, do it again. Move the mountains. Yes, yes, yes. And then he goes, okay. And then it happens. We go, mm, coincidence. Dumb. So dumb. Like, I want to show you. expanded it so you understand I meant to call that dumb. That's dumb. Why don't we just believe what we pray? Meanwhile, Peter continued to knock. He's still outside. Guys, listen, Jesus has really hooked me up, but I don't want to like tempt fate here. Can you let me in the house? When they finally opened the door, they saw him. They were amazed. He motioned for them to shut up and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. There was great commotion at the time of the morning. Everybody's like the king. Everybody's freaking out. Where did Peter go? But wouldn't you just know it, that the guards that were set in place to make sure that Peter couldn't get out of prison, now they're the ones sentenced to death. You see, God sees your enemies. And he sees the people in your life that have judged you and have hurt you and have made fun of you behind your back and have misjudged you and mischaracterized you. You don't have to pick up your cause. You just say, God, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. But let Jesus take care of you. So, shoot. All right, in closing, a couple of years ago, I worked for this missions organization. This is the craziest thing. Talking about ISIS, I'll, I'll give you more insight to ISIS here right now. So I walk by this dude's computer, and as the bad band comes up, and I want all eyes on me, and let's just go in and make it dark in here. Let's just wrap this up. But, <coughs> excuse me, cool story. I walk by this dude's computer, and he had two monitors, and it looked like real live satellite feed. Like, there was, like, you know, this, this map of the desert, but I c it, you could actually see cars on highways and stuff. And I'm, I was like, bro, this is a missions organization in Dallas. I was like, what are you looking at? His name was David. And he said, oh, he said, uh, I'm really not allowed to tell you. I'm like, why? I was like, bro, be cool. I won't tell anybody. Okay, well, we're all the body of Christ. We're all one, so it really doesn't count. Okay, so with that said, this is what he said. 
He said, uh, I said, what are you looking at? He said, well, I'm actually looking at Iraq right now. And he said, there's one main highway that goes from top to bottom of Iraq. And he says, what I'm doing, he says, I'm work we're working with Navy SEALs, special ops, like elite killers. And he says, we're about to go on a mission trip. And he said, what we're doing is we're going to go to Iraq. He says, he says, I'm just there to take pictures. <laughs> he said, I'm not doing it. He said, we're going to <coughs> Iraq. And he said, there are children and women who have been enslaved, and they are in the sex trade by ISIS. And, and this is when they were at the time, it's like three years ago when ISIS was just this terrible nightmare. And, and so he said, basically, I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. I said, well, how are you, what are you going to do? Like, these people are so violent. That that's a hopeless situation. He says, well, here's what we do. We, we have people who donate to our, our mission, and they understand. And these are anonymous donors, and we have lots of money. We have lots of cash. And he says that we take that cash into Iraq, and we go to the, the most darkest sinful places on the planet, but in this case, Iraq, and we go to the ISIS leaders and say, we want to ransom these sex slaves. We want to ransom them, and we'll pay you whatever it is that you're asking so we can set them free. But maybe you got a question that I asked. What if they don't want the money? And this is what he said. I'll just, I'll just read it verbatim. He told me, they do whatever needs to be done to liberate those people who were prisoned and trapped. That's all I needed to know because I'm like, oh, so they may have to take another level. These trained special forces, they're going to liberate people. And that's happening right now. Now, I share that with you because it reminded me of something. You see, Jesus came to do the same thing. He says, I will come because I see all of mankind in a prison that they can't get out of. I see all these fugitives who think they've gotten out, but they're not really free. Jesus came and said, I will do whatever it takes to rescue these people in prison. You go, that's so nice, Dave. No, 1 Timothy says Jesus gave his life as a ransom. He's like, I want you to be set free so bad that if it means that I have to die and shed every last drop of my blood so that you could sit in here at DSM tonight and listen to a hyper guy with a white ball cap tell you how much I love you, then that's what I'm willing to do for you. Jesus gave his life as a ransom to purchase freedom for everyone. Everybody say everyone. That's for you. It's the kid on the back row. It's the one sitting against the wall. This is the message that God gave to the world at just the right time. And students, this is now just the right time for you to hear this message. And now the question isn't, do you want to be set free? The question is, are you ready to get up? Get out and get moving. Liberated, not as a fugitive, but as someone who's been set free. That's the question for you. You see, since all God's children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became fully human to identify with us. So he knows the pain you feel. He knows what it feels like to be trapped and have people judge you or hurt you. He knows what this is like. 
He did this so that we could ex- he, so that he could experience death, but he came not to just see what death was about, so that he could annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. By embracing death, Jesus set us free. Those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. Guess what? Jesus really takes your liberation seriously. In this moment, don't you understand what Jesus is saying to you? You see, Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom. Everybody say freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We've been set free. We're children of God. We're not fugitives. We're not forgotten. So John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, DSM, tonight, congratulations. You are truly free. Yeah, get on your feet. Get on your feet. You see, I prayed this passage at the very beginning, and I want to close with it. You see, Ephesians 1 says, this is what God wanted to do. I don't care how you feel. If you feel like you deserve it, this is what God wanted to do. So take it up with him. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness, DSM, and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. And he forgave our sins. And he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom, with all understanding. You can have the mind of Christ. So my question for you tonight Do you want to get free? Do you want to be free, man? Well, then if you want to be free, then I want to pray with you right now. So get out of your seat. Get up. Get out of your seat. Come up front. Get up. Get out of your seat. Come up front. This is how it works. Come on. And DSM, I can't imagine why you're not clapping for liberation right now. It blows my mind. I think we can do better than this. Who wants to be set free? Come on, come on, come on, come on. It's good. Thank you, Father. Come on up. Get up. Get out. Get moving. Get up. Get out. Get moving. Liberation is here. It is here. It's here. Liberation is here. It's for you. Do you want it? The light is here. The chains have fallen. All right, let's break it down real quick. So just put your hands up. This isn't a symbol of surrender tonight. This is a symbol of freedom. Notice there are no chains on your hands anymore. You see, you didn't have to do anything. So this is a picture of celebration tonight, students. Pray with me right now. Pray out loud. Dear God, I came up to be liberated. You see my prisons. You see my prisons of sin my prisons of depression, my prisons of fear, prisons of regret, but I'm here. And tonight I will put my faith in you. Come on, pray it out loud. I put my faith in you to liberate me. I believe that you are a liberating God. I believe, Jesus, you have paid my ransom. I don't have to be a fugitive. I get to walk in freedom. I believe in your completed work on the cross for me. I believe that you overcame the power of death. 
I believe that you overcame the power of sin. I believe that you overcame the power of hell for me. And I want to be saved and rescued tonight. Break my chains. Set me free. And I will put my faith in you for the rest of my life. Thank you for liberating me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And students, for those of you who have been liberated tonight, congratulations. 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 Now, before we get into this, though, can I tell you what happened ultimately to Peter? He was rescued that night. And you know what he did? He went right back at it. He didn't go, whoa, that was close. No, he went right back to the broken, dangerous places of the world and began to declare that Jesus loves the prisoners. And it made people crazy. But Peter, at the end of his life, you know how he died? When he was an old man, Jesus told him way ahead of time, this is how you're going to go. Peter was crucified. Many of you may not, didn't know that. But many theologians say, and P different interpretations of the Bible, says that in this moment, Peter was ready to die because his work had been completed. He didn't care. He was liberated. He was like, you can't, you can't keep me down because there's a light. There's a bonfire blazing in me, and you can kill the body, but my spirit lives forever. So you can't take nothing from me, man. So he's like, then fine. He's like, put me on the cross, but here's my only request. I want you to cruci me, crucify me upside down. He says, because I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior was. And Peter died, and he was crucified upside down. And I think Peter, while he was experiencing the worst pain of his life in that moment, I think he was laughing at the same time going, you couldn't do it. You just couldn't do it. I'm about to be liberated in a way that I never have before, and I will live forever with Jesus, the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father. My liberation has come. I'm no longer contained in my body. I will live forever. So while I share that with you, I just want to let you know that tonight is an important night for you. It's a night of liberation. But don't think that because this happened tonight, that you're not going to face problems. So don't turn your back on God. But when things come into your life that you can't control, that are hurtful and hopeless, I want you to speak back to Jesus and say, okay, I'm not captive. You've set me free. Jesus, I don't see how you're going to get me through these doors. They're all locked. But I'm going to trust you to open the ones that you want to open. You are faithful. You're a good father. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And so you begin to sing this song. There is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. What? To break every single chain. If your chains have been broken, put your hands up. And let's worship and declare this truth over our lives and over this night. In Jesus' name. Come on. <laughs> 